the Tony Acosta Show. Tony is a top producing broker whose team has consistently been in the top 1% in the state of Utah. He is a chapter president for the National Association of Hispanic Real Estate Professionals and a member of the Forbes Real Estate Council. His insights have helped dozens of agents reach success in their business and his passion for training drives him daily. Here's the show. What's going on, guys? Welcome to episode number five of the Ask Tony Show. Thank you so much for joining me. We have a new setting, new office, so we're super excited about that. It is Christmas week. Christmas is a week from tomorrow, so hope hope you guys have all your cool plans planned. Uh, we'll try to get a couple more episodes out this year, but this may be the last one. So if anything, pay attention. mistake young agents make so young agents young agents make a ton of mistakes I made a ton of them and I know a lot of young agents that keep making them and for some reason we keep making mistake after mistake after mistake um, but if you're a new agent out there or if you know somebody who is a new agent probably the biggest mistake that new agents make is they don't do anything they're in this constant mode of preparation they're always trying to prepare for something big at the end of the tunnel and they don't do the small things day in and day out. For example, they'll go out and they'll take a bunch of courses or they'll start reading a bunch of books or they'll start, you know, e even dumb things like they'll start trying to buy better clothes or whatever it is. They're always trying to prepare for something that's coming later instead of doing the work in the moment to build up to those bigger things, if that makes sense. That's number one. Number two, and I've talked about this before, it's being a secret agent. A lot of agents, either, either because they're self-conscious because they feel like they don't have the experience, because they don't feel like they know enough people or whatever excuse, they don't go out and talk to people. They don't go out and either put out content or let people know that they're an agent. They're just kind of sitting around waiting for something to fall from the sky. And sometimes it does. For example, when I was a young agent, some of my first deals were people that I knew that I didn't really have to work very hard to get them. They just knew that I was an agent, so they used me. But it wasn't until I actually started doing the work and actually putting in the time to put out marketing material, to talk to people, to get out there and practice was when I actually started building something. So it would be those two things. Number one, always preparing without doing the work day in and day out. And number two is being a secret agent, not either having the confidence or the skill set or the motivation to get out there and actually find people that you can help. What's the most important tip to building a team? Building a team is very difficult. Um, we started building our team a couple years ago and we did a lot of research beforehand and a lot of real estate teams fail and they fail for a lot of reasons that, you know, I won't get into all the way, but a lot of it has to do with greed. It has to do with not being willing to share, not being a team player. Um, and I've seen it with a lot of new agents. For example, when, when you're gonna go out and sell a home, you're talking about big commissions. I mean, these are thousands, sometimes tens of thousands of dollars. And so a lot of agents, especially when they're new, they wanna keep 
keep all that money for themselves and they don't want to pay for help. So they kind of rather do it all themselves and then they can take the entire check home. One of the things that I've learned is the most difficult thing about building a team is getting people to a place where they're willing to share, where they're willing to cooperate, where they're willing to, you know, split their check or whatever it is so that other people can help them move along. And what I found is that once you find the right people, people that have the right mentality that understand the complexity, if we're talking about real estate, of a real estate transaction, and they're willing to give pieces of the pie in order for things to go more smoothly. Um, once you find those people, you have to take care of them. And you have to make sure that they feel like they're growing and that they're in a position to succeed. But one of the most difficult things is finding those people. So there's a lot of turnover in real estate teams. People will join a team and then they'll leave. Um, and to some extent, that's always going to exist. But the most difficult thing is finding the people. Once you have them, just take care of them. How long does it take to buy a home? The home buying process usually takes about between 30 and 60 days if you do it right. Now, um, the home search process can be much longer depending on what you're looking for, depending on your area and things like that. But typically, once you get under contract, it should be about four weeks until you close. So if somebody starts their home search today and they find their home tomorrow and they get under contract, well, you know, in 30 days they can have their home. But we have other cases where people spend months and months and months looking at homes, sometimes sending offers, they don't win their offers, they get under contract, there's a problem with the house, so they got to start over. So that obviously makes it much longer. But if everything goes well, once you find your home, it's about 30 days. What is the difference between an agent and a broker? So agent and broker, a lot of people think that brokers are agents or that agents don't need brokers or, you know, we get those terms kind of mixed up. So an agent is just that, it's a real estate agent, somebody that has their license, um, that has, has been licensed and they can help people purchase or sell real estate. A real estate broker is somebody who is in charge of a brokerage. So the way the system is set up is if you're an agent, in order for you to be able to work, in order for you to be able to charge commissions and basically function as a real estate agent, you have to put your license under a broker, a licensed broker and a brokerage. Um, and once you have that, then you kind of work through the broker um, to get paid and to make your deals work. So if, if if you look at it from, and I hate to use this term, but it's, it's the way it works, kind of a, a pyramid scheme, if you, if, if you will, you have the broker at the top that's in charge of all of the transactions. At the end of the day, your, your client, if you're an agent, it goes through the brokerage. So it's the brokerage's client, but the broker has the ability to use use agents to make those deals work. So for example, you're an agent, you work in my office, I'm the broker, you bring a client, the client belongs, technically belongs to the brokerage and therefore belongs to the broker. But the broker allows you as an agent to work that deal and be able to charge a commission. So the way that the law is set up in order to be an agent, you have to work through a broker. So I hate to use the term pyramid scheme because a lot of people don't like that term, but it, it's it just what it's, it's what it is. You've got a broker and then you have agents underneath and all those agents work through the brokerage. Are you a reader? I'm a big reader. Um, now more so through audiobooks, which I guess would make me a listener, not a reader. But um, I've always loved to read. I have a ton of books at my house. I have a tremendous library. Um, and the reason why is because I've always felt like reading just 
accelerates your your learning and it, it accelerates your growth. And it's something that seems obvious, but people don't do it. And sometimes I don't understand why people don't do it. Like every single problem that you can have, somebody in the world has already solved it and they've written a book about it. It's out there. Whether it's fitness, whether it's parenting, whether it's business, whether it's motivation, whether it's relationship, whatever it is, whatever problem you have, somebody has already solved it and they've written a book about it. And you can read that book in days, sometimes weeks, and you can learn in a Apply those concepts and not go through the same issues that that person went through in order to write the book, if that makes sense. So I just feel like all the answers that you could ever need are in books. You just have to go out there and look for them, but it takes a proactive person. A lot of people are reactive learners. And what I mean by a reactive learner is they learn as life happens to them. They learn as they're in a tough situation and they go through it and so they learn. But not very many people are proactive learners. A proactive learner is someone who understands their limitations and they say, okay, I don't know a lot about this subject, but I'd like to, or I struggle with this, or I struggle with that. And they're self-conscious about it. And instead of just like waiting for something to happen, they go out and they seek answers and they seek answers through books or through courses or through audiobooks or whatever it is. Now, because I drive so much, I'm listening to audiobooks and podcasts all day long. Um, if you saw my, my Audible account, it's pretty, it's pretty legendary, but yeah, it, it has to be a daily thing and you have to make that a habit, whether it's reading in the morning, reading at night. I like to read at night. And again, listening while I'm driving, it makes a tremendous, tremendous difference. How do you maintain good relationships with other agents despite them being your competitors? One of the things that I learned really early on from my mentor, Daniel, who was my broker initially and is now the CEO of our company, is true other agents are your competitors, but there's enough abundance for everybody. Like everybody can eat at the table. And they're, they're, Gary Vee always makes the comment that it's one of the ones that, of all the comments that he's made, is probably the one that has stuck with me the most, which is there's two ways that you can build the biggest building in town. You can just build it, or you can work to tear down all the other buildings around you. And most people will work to tear down all the other buildings around them. But real winners, they just make their building taller than everybody else's. And so you have to maintain good agent to agent relationships. Why? Because whenever you're in a transaction, it's not just you and your client, but on the other side, you have either a buyer or a seller and their agent. And amongst agents, like we know each other. Like I, I, I know certain agents that do a good job. I know agents that don't do so much of a good job. And so you have to maintain good relationships because that's a factor. When your client is presenting an offer, your reputation as an agent is a big deal. And sometimes that can be the factor between your client getting the home or not getting it. So it's very important that, that you maintain good agent relationships without being a hypocrite. You don't want to be fake. That's why before you jump out there, you have to understand that sure, they're your competitors, but they're also your supporters. You also need them. For example, the majority, probably 70% of our brokerage is representing buyers. We do have a listing division, but the bulk of our transactions is representing buyers. So I need other agents to go out and list properties. I need them to hustle. I need them to find deals. I need them to find sellers. And I need them to put homes on the market so that my buyers can go and buy them, if that makes sense. So this business is all about cooperation. And if you are the type of person that wants to shut yourself off, not talk to anybody, be a jerk, and just look down on other people because you see them as your competitors, you're gonna lose. How much time do you spend creating a single piece of content? Is there a reason you use video more? The reason that I use video, it's for two reasons. Number one, I like it. And number two is I feel like it's what most people are 
most likely to consume. I do articles as well, but if I look at my numbers, I mean, I'll write an, an article and I'll get X amount of reads or whatever. But if I make a video and it's a good video, just the engagement is so much higher because we as a society now, we're a video first society. So we like to watch things. A lot of people are visual learners. And so, for example, this show, I have this show in video form on YouTube and Facebook. And then we have a podcast version where it's the exact same show. It's just, you strip the audio and you put it on the podcast, but a lot more people watch the video than listen to the podcast. So that's one of the reasons why I like video because I watch video all the time. Um, so I just think people resonate with it more and they're more willing to consume it than in another format. Now, how much time it takes, um, I have the blessing of having a team of people that um, edit the content and do things like that. So for me, I'll film a show, maybe it'll take 20 minutes or 25 minutes or you know whatever it is. And then Rachel, who's my content manager, she'll go back, she'll edit it, she'll chop it up, she'll put it on the podcast, she'll do quote card, I mean, she'll do everything else. So I don't have to do it personally. If I did have to do it, it would take forever. I tried to do it myself. That's the reason why I brought Rachel on, um, because it takes so long. I mean, just going through the editing process and chopping stuff up myself, I just didn't have time to do it, which is why I wouldn't put up too much content and the content that I did have wasn't very good because it was just, you know, filming myself in the car, selfie mode, and it, it just wasn't great. There wasn't a lot of post-production and I mean, the information was all right, but it wasn't high quality material. Now I feel a lot better about what I'm putting out, but it's not me that's putting it out, if you will. I have someone who does that work for me. So um, if you're an aspiring content creator, if you can afford it, bring somebody on and have them help you create the content. Otherwise, you just gotta put in the work. I mean, it's gonna be late nights editing, weekends editing, and you just gotta get it done to pump out your content.